Grace, peace, and mercy be multiplied unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. In the Lutheran Church, there is a custom of confirmation. In this custom, having been baptized upon receiving a more intensive teaching of the Word and the basic tense of the faith, young Christians, whether by age or in newness to faith, are given the opportunity to recall the promises that God has made in their baptisms and publicly declare their faith as a part of identifying more deeply with the Christian community and to participate more fully in its mission. In my time serving in a congregational setting, I can remember the time of of calling individuals up and asking them questions. Questions like this. Do you this day in the presence of God and of this congregation acknowledge the gifts that God gave you in your baptism? Do you renounce the devil? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty and Jesus Christ's only Son and the Holy Spirit? And then questions like this. Do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? And then do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? You know, I wonder sometimes what goes through the minds of individuals as those questions are being read and and responded to with the answer I do by the grace of God. And even now in my time in life and faith, I wrestle with the depth and seriousness of those questions. To suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it. And I think most days it's hard to imagine that is a potential possibility, but it It is always a potential reality of faith. It's what we see as we walk through the pages of scriptures. And a few few weeks back, I was listening to a sermon of a pastor who recalled a saint whose only response to questions in trial, in torture, and ultimately in death were, I am a Christian. Maybe there's been other stories of saints that you have heard. And so often these are stories that inspire us. To hear such strength of faith by brothers and sisters in Christ who have come before us. But often I have to admit that I find myself asking a certain question. Could I respond with such faith? In the midst of this, this question I think is a, it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Because I think often if the answer that we're able to give is yes, it probably is out of a falsely placed self-confidence. And more often, our response is that of a vote of no confidence. And that leads us to wonder, then am I worthy to call myself a Christian? How real is my faith? How true is my faith? On Tuesday, we were given the reminder that as we look inwardly, it is nothing more than that narcissistic pattern that we often fall into when it comes to even faith itself. 
But instead that God's word would call us to look out in faithfulness to a God who has done all things, accomplished all things, through the very blood of Christ. And so we have this text before us from Revelation, which speaks to the reality of the potential in making a confession of faith, but then says, here is a call for endurance and faith of the saints. You see, it comes in the midst of the story of Revelation, the revelation of God to John as a vision of faith to communicate to the church. And so often as we look at Revelation, maybe we're not always quite sure what to do with it. It seems to be some sort of uh, story of seemingly mythological proportions. It's got, after all, its images with golden censers and angels and beasts and winged creatures and dragons. And that is what we find in chapters 12 and 13 that lead us up to this verse that calls for the endurance and faith of the saints. I won't go into all the specifics of it, but here's the the quick backdrop and synopsis. John shows the vision of how there is this celestial war that has taken place between the archangel Michael and his army and the dragon and his angels. And in these verses in chapter 8, we see that this dragon is clearly Satan. And in the midst of this story, he is thrown down from the heavens. He is defeated by the blood of the Lamb. He is no longer able to stand in God's court as accuser to bring accusation against those who are found in Christ. Thrown from heaven, he pursues the woman who is the church. But even in the midst of this story, she too is rescued. And furious with this and the the woman, he goes off to make war, it says, with her offspring. Individual Christians, the seed of Christ and his church and the work of his grace. Those who cherish God's commandments and cling to the testimony of Christ. John clearly demonstrates that Satan could not dethrone the Christ. That he could not destroy the church. And so now he looks to make war on Christians. In chapter 13, it says that he does so by enlisting the help of a beast. As we take a look at this, there's many things, of course, that what this could be. The world, it says, marvels at the beast. It follows the beast. It worships the dragon, it blas- which blasphemes God and makes war on the saints. And while there are specific things or entities that we could tie specifically to this beast, pastor and scholar Lewis Brighton points out this. It is every human authority and everything of human nature that the dragon can corrupt and control and use in his warfare against the woman that is the church and against her seed, individual Christians. You see, this is a worldwide issue and it is at all times in history. The war is Satan's making and the beast is his agent and tool. And John would recall for us that we as Christians are not spectators. No, but we suffer because of the dragon's warfare. And that though the church suffers oppression and martyrdom, she obeys God rather than man. That she turns the other cheek because she is called not to wage an earthly war, but a spiritual war. We can recall the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, darkness, spiritual forces of evil. 
You see, the beast sets to conquer by subverting our faith and by outlawing our witness. And we see the bloody, torturous persecution of Christians in the annals of histories. We read, even in the present, the ongoing attacks, imprisonments, and martyrdom of the saints in far parts of the world. We look at a world where the voice of the church seems squelched and the gospel squeezed out. We see the commandments of God obstructed, the truth of Christ denied, and the word of God's silence. And often we today, whether receiving personal experiences of persecution or seeing and experienced in this world, are left discouraged and frustrated, angered and overwhelmed. So here John speaks his word. Here is a call for endurance and faith of the saints. While in the midst of such persecution and suffering, it can seem at times to be endless. John would direct and point us to a view that would see that it is but a short duration. That it is actually under God's watchful eye and permissive will in Christ. That through such sufferings and trials, faith of saints shine forth into this world, proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And that through it, the church entrusts her care to God. John would hold before us not a calling to a life of faith that we think we may or may not be able to live up to, but rather to the ongoing work of Christ. To give us peace and comfort and confidence in the midst of all things. As John has declared clearly to us, God knows each of us by name. And not only does he know us by name, but he has written that name into his book of life. It was John in his gospel who recalled the fact that all we who are the sheep who follow the good shepherd are the ones who are in his hands whom no one or nothing can pluck out of his hands. That we belong to him because of the Lamb's victory. And that having written our names in the book of life, we will indeed enter the heavenly city. My brothers and sisters in Christ, John would call us with those images and pictures. In a word of grace and comfort, and say, here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints to whom victory has already been granted and given and assured by the Lamb of God who sits on his throne, writes our names in his book of life and promises to return. In the name of Jesus, amen.